All right, good morning, everybody. Good to have you guys with us today. I wonder how many cat people are in the room today or watching online. Any cat people? All right, more than, uh, more than last night, that's for sure. There were like three. You know, cats are kind of, cats are different, right? Like, they're a trip. If I, I, I'm not really, I've never had a cat for, since I was a kid, but when I go and visit friends that are, that are cat people, I go in differently than if they're dog people. You know, like, I go in their house, and, and I know, like, their cats, a lot of cats are just too cool, man. They're too cool to care. So I just totally ignore them. I go in, and I'm like, no cat here. And then, it, you know, if I'm lucky, about 20 or 30 minutes later, if you just totally ignore them, eventually that cat will come up and kind of rub on your leg like, hey, you can touch me now. <laughs> you were cool. You know, I touch them. Of course, other cats look at you the entire time like, don't even think about it, bro. I will claw you. You will not even see it coming, man. Now, dogs are a whole other thing, right? If, if, you're, if you're a dog person or you go to visit a friend that has dogs, dogs are, they're all like love and slobber. And my dog used to just pee every time somebody new came over. She gets so excited. She couldn't control the bladder, you know, like, like that's dogs. And, and um, that, that's just kind of who they are. So this video this past week went viral, went all over the world, and uh, I thought it was great. It was about a guy in Turkey who went to the hospital, and his dog followed the ambulance all the way to the hospital, and then basically sat outside the door waiting. And um, when the daughter saw the dog, she took it home. She's like, that's our dog, took it home. And he got out and went back to the hospital and sat by the door. And she took him home again. And he got out and went back to the hospital. And for six days, this dog sat by the door at the hospital waiting for his owner. Check him out. Here he is, little photo. Uh, look at that face. Let me tell you, man, cats don't do this. But that's a face of of love and loyalty for, for his owner. And then here's a little video that went around the world when the owner finally gets out of the hospital. Six days, this dog's been uh, waiting for him, and we'll roll this. But the owner gets out. The dog goes crazy. You can see him here in a minute. He's coming around. He's like, oh, my gosh. You know, he's so excited. And uh, that's just a picture of loyalty. It's a picture of love. And I think we love these kinds of images when we see them. And I think it's... We can, we can kill that now. <laughs> I think it's bigger than just, uh, you know, seeing a dog and the love and loyalty there. We, we see it in people, like when, when uh, parents show that kind of love and loyalty to their kids or kids show that love and loyalty to their parents or when people show it to one another or when elderly couples are still taking care of each other after all these years and decades, and we, we sort of see that, we're drawn to that. I think it's because there's something in us that recognizes this kind of loyal love as special and sacred and beautiful, and I think it's because it's actually a characteristic of God himself. He is a God who loves with a loyal, a fiercely loyal love. Now, we've been in Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse 6 over the last several weeks, and it's this famous passage in the Bible, not really famous today, but back then it was super famous. In fact, it's the most quoted passage in the Old Testament by Old Testament writers. 
So if you read through the Old Testament of the Bible, the first two-thirds of your Bible, you'll see that this verse is quoted or alluded to more than any other verse in the entire Old Testament. It was like an anchor passage for them. It was so key and important. And it's the passage where God reveals who he is in his own words. He passes in front of Moses, and he basically says, Moses, this is who I am. This is what you can count on. And so we've been leaning into this because we've realized, look, we no, I don't know what 2021 holds, but I believe it can be a great year because we have a great God. It's his character. It's who he is that we can rely on in the midst of uncertainty. And so Exodus 34, God gives it to us in his own words. And we're going to bring it up here on this slide. You see on the left-hand side, kind of this scripture, and this is what God says. It says, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've been breaking this down. God calls out five characteristics about who he is. He says he's a God of compassion. We looked at this week one. We talked about how that's crazy that God in this culture, in this time, would introduce himself first as a God of compassion, not a God of power, not a God of strength, not a God who's like more God than all the other gods. No, he comes out and he goes, I'm a God of compassion. I care. I have empathy. Um, Then we talked about favor, which uh, is a way of translating this word mercy, that God is a God of favor. He blesses uh, his people. He loves to bless his people. Uh, We said that God is slow to anger. And this is one of my favorite messages I've given in years. Go back and watch it if you weren't here last weekend, because I think it'll, it'll tweak your perception of God. A lot of times people think God's just an angry God, or you read something in the Old Testament and you're like, wow, God just went off. And here God sort of frames up who he is, his character. It's slow to anger. It's filled with unfailing love. And we unpacked that to a great degree last week. It was a lot of fun. This week, we're going to talk about this idea, loyal love, that God is a God of unfailing love or loyal love. Next week, we'll look at faithfulness. And um, when it comes to God's sort of loyal love for us in our lives. I think there's a a powerful story that we can lean into in the Old Testament where we see these uh, words come up again and again that can help us understand the loyal love of God. And so I wanna turn with you to the life of Joseph. Joseph was the second youngest son to a guy named Jacob, pretty important figure in the Old Testament. And Joseph, um, he was a dreamer. Uh, He was uh, shown extraordinary favoritism by his father, which probably wasn't wise. Uh, Joseph's brothers already kind of hated him because, you know, dad loved him so much and he was the special one. Some of you got a sibling like that. Um, And Joseph has a dream. Dreams were very important. And this dream was very vivid. And in his dream, all of his brothers bow down to him. And Joseph, probably in a moment that wasn't so wise, tells his brothers about this dream. Like, check it out, had a dream, had to be from God. You were bowing down to me. This is not gonna go well, right? And so what you read in the story of Genesis is the brothers basically work up a plan. They fake Joseph's death and they sell him off as a slave to Egypt. So, you know, I don't know what your sibling rivalry's like, but that's kind of like going nuclear. 
They sell him off as a slave, right? He ends up in this, this guy Potiphar's house um, as a slave, and he earns more, more and more trust. And then eventually Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of attempting to rape her, and he gets thrown into prison. So here's Joseph, the dreamer, and now he's found himself sold into slavery, and now he's gone into prison. I mean, it goes from bad to worse. It's like the year 2020 on steroids, Right? And you kind of read through the story, and here's what's sort of fascinating. When Joseph gets put in prison is precisely when we see this whole word come up again, faithful love, the unfailing faithful love of God. It shows up in Joseph's story when he goes to prison. So check this out, Genesis chapter 39, beginning of verse 21. We get to the red words here. Let's say them out loud, real loud. This is how we kind of make sure everybody is awake, re-engages. All right, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his what? Faithful love. His faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Now this idea, this word faithful love, these words, this is the... A Hebrew word that God uses to describe himself when he says he's filled with unfailing love. It's a very important word. We're going to do a little Hebrew lesson. I figure if we can go to Starbucks and order a grande triple shot quad latte thing, then we can handle a Hebrew word. This is the word hased. And the reason it's so important is because... um, it's very hard to translate into English, and it's a very uh, a key word of God and his love. It can be translated mercy, kindness, loving kindness, steadfast love, faithful love, abundant goodness, great loyalty, and much mercy doing, loyal love. This is the word that God uses to describe himself and his character for you as his child. He has said for you. He has loyal, faithful, much mercy doing love for you. It could be defined this way, God's commitment to do a generous and surprising amount of good in another person's life over the long term. Somebody's like, yeah, I want that. But it gets even better, look at this, not based on their performance, but based on his own promise. Hesed is a word that is usually sort of connected to God's covenant love, his agreement love that he makes with us in our lives. And so the good news today is even if you fail, God's covenant love, his hesed, his faithful love is still there with you. Even when you make mistakes, God's love is with you. Even when you blow it, God's love is with you. Listen, God's love is going to go before you. His love's going to go behind you. His love's going to see you through 2021. His love's going to see you through this crazy pandemic. It'll see you through a job downturn. It'll see you through relationships, ups and downs. It'll see you through the mistakes that you made, things that you wish you'd never done. Why? Because his love is faithful. It's anchored in his character. It is who he is. Who God is, is a God who loves you in his own words. Come on. That's good news. We can go home now. We're pretty much done. But don't worry, I'll keep talking. So how do we lean into this loyal love in this season in our lives? A few thoughts for you. One is to remember the God who remembers you. Remember the God each day who remembers you. You know, I don't know about you, but, but I often forget things in my life. In fact, I did a little research this week on things that people forget. And some of the top things people forget surprised me. For example, one thing people forget is to close the garage door. 
Any, any of you like loop around when you're driving away to go back like, oh my gosh, did I close it? Did I shut it? Or for me, the worst is when I get up in the morning, come on somebody, and I'm walking out to get in my car and I open that garage door or I open the door that leads to our garage and there's my garage door wide open all night long. Come on in, y'all. It's all here for the taking. Other thing is people uh, forget why they walked into a room. Anybody forget why you, why you walked in a room? Yeah, a couple days ago, I was standing there. Literally, I was saying out loud to myself, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? And it dawns on me like, this is how you get committed right here. <laughs> standing in a room asking why you're there. But I just forget, like, you know, why, why, why am I here? Uh, one more is passwords. People forget their passwords. Oh my goodness. I have a whole file. Anybody else with all my passwords from all the years, all listed there. I can't ever remember which one goes where, right? And then my computer's always trying to get me to adopt its password, which is like 700 characters long. I'm like, who uses these things? What am I supposed to do? What happens if it's not like linked up specially where it just automatically fills in or I get a new computer and it doesn't, I'm like, I'll be lost. So we forget things. Sometimes when it's hard, when we're going through difficulty, when we find ourselves in the pit like Joseph or even in our own version of prison like Joseph, we believe that God has forgot us. Sometimes I think we can get into this sort of mentality that God remembers us only when life is good. It's like, like if we were to put it into emojis, it might look like this. Like, like when things are good and the relationship's good and the money's good and man, things are rocking and rolling in my life, fitness is good, health is good, then God loves me. God's with me. God's blessing me. I have favor. But then things go bad. COVID happens. You lose your job. Everything gets flipped upside down. Your income gets cut in half. You got to be around your spouse all the time. You can't even get away from your dog or your cat. It's always there, right? You know, your kids, your kids that you love. And you can start to think in the midst of the tension and the pressure like, man, maybe God's just angry with me, right? Like, I know I did some stuff, y'all. And maybe he's just had enough. And I kind of got to the limit of his patience. <laughs> and, and he's just done with me. But here's what I think we see with God's faithful or, or loyal love is that whether you're sad or whether you're happy, whether things are good or whether they're bad, whether COVID, you made money, or like a whole lot of people, you lost money, whether things in your relational world right now are going well or going bad, none of that indicates who God is. God indicates who he is in his word, and his true, blue, loyal love is there for you in the good times and the bad. I don't like these times. I want to hang out here, right? But I can tell you that I learn a lot more here than when I'm here. And that I've seen over the years, while I can't always see it in it, sometimes I can look back and realize God actually blessed me more in the down times than he did in the good times. So if you're hurting today, if you're struggling, I want you to know God's loyal love is with you. You may not be able to see what he's doing, and that's okay. 
It may not make any sense to you right now, and I get that. That's okay. But just believe that God is working, that he loves you, that he's, he's continuing to move in your life. Joseph would have been tempted to think that God forgot him, right, in the moment when now he's in prison. Now, here's what happened when Joseph gets in prison. All of a sudden, he starts doing well uh, because the first time God's name shows up in the story of Joseph is when he gets sold into slavery. The second time God's name really shows up in the story of Joseph is when he lands in prison. <laughs> See, sometimes precisely when we don't feel God is when God is doing his best work. Sometimes precisely when we can't see God is when God is doing his best work. So here's Joseph in this situation, and things are crazy. Now, he gets more and more favor in prison. God uh, uh, allows him to get more and more responsibility, and he's basically the number two person of the warden in the prison, right? He's got a lot of freedom, a lot of responsibility in that context. And so a couple guys get put in prison that are from Pharaoh's court, like the Egyptian Pharaoh. Um, and one is the baker, and one is the wine taster. And they both have these super vivid dreams one night. They get up the next morning, they're really disturbed, and God gives Joseph the ability to interpret their dreams. Joseph says, hey, let me take a shot. He says to the wine taster, like, tell me your dream. I'll try to tell you what it means. And the wine taster tells him his dream, and he goes, oh, your dream means in three days, you're going to be released, and you're gonna go back to your old job in the court as the wine taster. He's like, man, that's amazing, that's awesome. And I think the baker says, sitting there like, yes, I like this dude, Joseph. He goes, hey, I had a dream too. Can you tell me the meaning of my dream? And so the baker tells his dream to Joseph, and Joseph goes, well, yeah, in three days, you're going to be executed. So bummer for the baker. But that's what happens. The, the wine taster in three days gets released, in three days, the baker gets executed. But here's what Joseph says to the wine taster before he leaves prison. Um, Genesis chapter 40, verse 14. And I highlight this word, remember, we'll, we'll get to it. He says, and please what? Remember me. Okay, well, here's interesting. This word in the Old Testament Hebrew language is the word hesed. Please show me loyal love. Do me a solid, bro. And do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out. Of, his play, of this place. He says, show me that kind of loyal love. Remember me. Now, you know what happened in the story? The wine taster, he gets out. He's free. He goes back to Pharaoh's court, and check it out. He forgets all about Joseph. And so Joseph, for two more years, is in prison, continuing to navigate the situation. Listen, we forget. We forget if we left a garage door open, we forget our passwords, we forget all kinds of things, but God's loyal love will not forget you. God was with Joseph in prison, in the pit, in the lowest moments in his life, and he is with you. God's love will see you through whatever you're going through. So you gotta remember the God who remembers you. Second thought is this, trust God's good work. Trust God's good work in your, in, in your life because he is working even in the down times. I remember um, one night a few years ago, I saw this advertisement come up for a documentary on the rock band Twisted Sister. 
Anybody remember Twisted Sister? Some of you are like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're, you're emotionally and spiritually healthier because you don't know what I'm talking about. But Twisted Sister was the first concert I ever went to in my life. I was like 12, you know, and it's like, yeah, we're not gonna take it. I'm 12. I'm done. Anyway, I watched the documentary. I was like, ah, oh, Twisted Sister. And it opens up. Twisted Sister's playing this concert. And, and then it says that they got signed to the record deal. It's like, oh, cool. That's how it starts. And then this is what surprised me. The screen stops and the, a number comes up. It says 3,000. Uh, 3,267. And then it, it says 3,267 shows earlier. And it goes back, yes, it goes back 10 years. Did you know that Twisted Sister toured for 10 years before they got a record deal, playing multiple nights a week? dumpy little places, anybody that would have them, they did 3,267 shows before they ever got signed. Dang, how could they not be better? Well, that's another. <laughs> I don't recommend the documentary, but I did pause on that, on that statistic. I think sometimes when we see somebody's success, we just see the success, but, but we don't realize the buildup that happened before the breakthrough happened. And even more spiritually in our lives, we don't realize the buildup that has to happen before the breakthrough happens. Joseph's in prison. Joseph's life's flipped upside down. But God's loyal love is teaching and training him and getting him ready for the next thing that he has for him. There is a buildup before the breakthrough. There is God moving and working, preparing us for what's coming next. I know COVID season has been a brutal, hard season, but don't miss this. God often breaks people the most who he uses the greatest. And some of you that have been in the breaking down time Maybe you're just getting prepared for the blessing God has for you and through you in the next season in your life. God's laying the groundwork. Romans 8 tells us that, that God works all things together for good for those who love him. And so he's working for good even in our lives when we don't understand it. So my encouragement to you is this. God is working while you are waiting you, you may feel trapped, right? You may feel like you're stuck. You may feel like things are not changing, but God is working. You may feel like you're not getting the answers you need, but God's working. Listen, when you're jobless, he's working. When you're sick, he's working. When, when you're, you're uncertain, he's working. But when you're ashamed, he's working. God is moving and he's working and he's doing what only he can do in your life. You can't see it, but it's still happening. When you're humiliated, he's working. When you're afraid, he's working. When you're lost, he's working. Listen, when, when, when things are good, he's working. When things are bad, he's working. And even when nothing is working, God is working. <laughs> Trust his good work. So here's Joseph. All of a sudden, the wine taster remembers that, well, the way it goes down is the Pharaoh has a dream, the leader of Egypt. 
He calls together everybody to interpret his dream because he's really disturbed by this dream and nobody can figure out how to interpret it and all the people can't, can't suss through it. And then the wine taster's standing there and he's like, wait a minute, I know a guy. I remember that dude in prison a couple years ago. And so all of a sudden, Joseph gets called up. He gets brought to the royal court. He gets cleaned up. He gets brought in before the Pharaoh. Craziest story, right? He interprets the Pharaoh's dream. First thing he says to the Pharaoh is, I cannot do it. But God can do it through me. And then he goes, he hears the dream, and he comes back and he interprets the dream. And it just rings so powerfully true to the Pharaoh. He basically says, listen, Pharaoh, here's what's going to go down. You're about to have some amazing years of prosperity, but they're going to be followed by some pretty brutal years of famine. And so the the Pharaoh's pretty disturbed. But here's what's cool. Joseph not only interprets his dream, he goes, here's what you need to do. And tells the Pharaoh, here's the dude from prison, telling the Pharaoh, look, during the seven years of abundance, you need to start putting things back so that when you get to the years of famine, you've got enough to provide not only for yourself. And he starts breaking out the plan. Don't you love people that show up with a solution more than just a problem? I mean, most valuable employees are not the employees that rock up with problems. That's easy. There's a million of them. But come with a solution and you're hired. That's where Joseph is. He brings a solution. Pharaoh goes, Pharaoh goes, I like it. You do that. And basically promotes this guy from prison above all these political people, which wouldn't be unlike our politics today, all this maneuvering and all this power grabbing, promotes them right over all those people and says, you're going to be my right-hand guy. You do what you just said. So Joseph's now in this amazing position of influence. And as the famine eventually comes, he's over the food distribution. And guess who rocks up who needs food? His family, his brothers, who sold him into slavery, you know, better part of 20 years before. They don't recognize who he is, but he recognizes them. He knows who they are. And the story, I won't go into all of it, but over time, they eventually relocate to Egypt. There's a moment where Jacob's father, or Jacob dies, uh, Joseph's father, and all the brothers are now concerned that because the father dies, uh, Joseph is going to kill them. Like now he was playing nice for dad. Dad's out of the way, and now we're going to die. And so they fake a letter from their dad. These guys never learn, the brothers. They fake a letter from their dad asking for Joseph to have mercy on him. They throw themselves at his feet. They bow before him. And they say, we are your slaves. Basically, please don't kill us, which is the full circle of Joseph's dream. And Joseph responds with this passage. It's one of the most famous passages in the Bible. If you're newer on the faith journey, remember this, okay? You're going to sound really smart. But also, it can anchor you spiritually. There's a reason this passage has helped so many people over the centuries. Here it is, Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse 19. It's Joseph talking to his brothers. And this is what he says. Don't be afraid of me. Am I God? that I can punish you? And then here's the sentence. You intended to harm me, but God, what? Intended it all for good. 
You intended to harm me. Some of you, you've been through a divorce. <laughs> and you're like, to your ex, you intended to harm me. And you didn't know there was more to the sentence. Right? Some of you right at work, you've been through some stuff. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe you've been discriminated against. Maybe you feel like you've been passed over. Hey, maybe you had somebody who just had it out for you. You intended to harm me. And you didn't know there was more to the sentence. But God intended it all for good. Joseph says, God brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You know, you know what, he, as he goes on in the context, he says to his brothers, you sold me, sold him into slavery. But he says, God sent me. God's working behind the scenes. And I don't think it means everything that happens in our lives is good. I don't think that's the message. I think it means that God can work good even from really bad things that happen in our lives. The fascinating thing about that word intended is that it can be translated weave, like, uh, like you'd weave a basket or a garment. And God takes whatever strands that we have in our lives and he reweaves them into something good. He weaves the evil done to us and he, he weaves it into good that can be done for us, by us, and through us. Think about this. He can weave your divorce into help for somebody else going through a divorce. He can weave your bankruptcy into financial counseling for others going through financial challenges. He can weave your loneliness into compassion and empathy for others who are struggling with loneliness. He can weave uh, your doubts into answers for others whose faith is weak. He can, he can weave your darkness into hope and light for those who cannot see a way out. He can weave your failures into coaching for others. He can weave your breakup into encouragement for others. He can weave your layoff into a new entrepreneurship. He can weave your isolation into involvement for yourself and others in church. He can weave your addiction into recovery for yourself and others. God can take your story and listen, it's still being written. It's not done. COVID's not the last chapter. 2020 is not the final part of the story. God's still writing the story. And he's a God who works all things for good for those who love him. I don't know what this next year holds, but friends, I just want to encourage you to sit in this. God genuinely loves you. I was reading a poem this week that... Um, guy named Eugene Peterson's son had shared about his father. Eugene Peterson is a pastor a lot of people looked up to. He wrote a lot of books. He did the message translation of the Bible that sold all over the world, jillions of copies. But his dad said something, or his son said something about his dad that I, in this poem that was so powerful, and I'm going to paraphrase it. This is off the cuff. But he said, Dad, all these years, you fooled him. He said, you fooled everybody. He said, you're a fraud. He said, every week you made people think you had a new message at church. Every week people thought it was fresh. He goes, but you didn't have a new message. You only had one message. One message your whole life. One message, that was it. One simple message for like 40 years of preaching. 
And he says, I knew because at night when I was a kid, you'd sleep in, you'd slip into my room and, and you'd tell me good night and you'd pray over me. And it was always the same message. And he says, the message is this. God loves you. God's relentless. God's passionate. God's coming for you. Somebody needs to sit in that today. God loves you. He's relentless. He's passionate. He's coming for you. That's it. That's the message. If we just get that, his loyal, unfailing love change how we see ourselves and how we see each other and how we see our future and how we see our problems, how we see moments in the pit and moments in prison, if you will, in Joseph's case, and how we see God moving and working even behind the scenes. Let him weave it together. Trust him to do it. God's love will get you through whatever you're going through. Maybe some of you are here today and maybe you just sense God's been tapping you on the shoulder. He's been calling you to come home to him and I just love to give you an opportunity to reach out to him and trust him in your life, to peel back the barriers and whatever's in the way, and to just realize that God's love is bigger than your barriers, your mistakes, your shame, whatever habits you have in your life, God's love is bigger. It's bigger than how you see the world, how you look, how much money you have or don't have, the color of your skin, what city you were born in, what country you were born in, what planet you were born on. Listen, God's love is bigger than all of that. And if you'll open your heart, who he is, he will be true to who he is. His unfailing love will make a huge impact and difference. He'll forgive and restore and help and transform. So would all of you please bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by just repeating this prayer after me, either out loud or in your own heart and mind. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. And help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, if that's your prayer request today, I want to ask you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, will you just slip your hand in the air and just make eye contact with me if you're making that commitment, just to acknowledge you're going to follow him in your life today. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just reach out to him today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. God, we love you. I thank you for each person reaching out to you. I pray you'll fill them with your hope, your peace, your joy. Bless all of us as we follow you. Thank you for your faithful love. In Christ's name, amen.